BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I am joined, rejoined this week by my usual co-host, Caleb Cummings, uh, Sooners360 talent evaluator and opinion creator. Uh, we will also we're also joined by uh, my special go- guest special guest host from last week, Kyle Dahlgren, is joining us as well. And this is going to be episode sixty four, where we're going to title this. We're going to look to the past and look to the future. And this is a special roundtable episode where we're going to discuss some bigger topics and let Kyle and Caleb disagree and agree on some topics about where OU was and where OU is going. Uh, Matt should hopefully be joining us, but f- uh, for those of you, uh, Matt's had uh, has had some good family news. That's his news to break. We won't spoil it. So his 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 evening times have become a little more difficult. But he's hoping to ch- to jump in and join us for some of the some of the questions as we wrap this up. It's not a huge news and sooner recruiting news news wise. I'm saying news three times in a row. There's no new portal additions. Where Zalens heard is. Got to choose Tennessee unless something weird happens. Uh, the OU coaches are out traveling. They're not hosting a visit weekend for the 20th. Um, so next weekend we'll record a regular kind of episode and we'll be talking all about the January 27th visit weekend coming up and talking about the names, hopefully coming to Norman and talking about some new offers and talking about 2025 recruiting with a little more in depth. I don't think... Uh, I've, I've been keeping my eye on everything. There's, there's nothing new 2024-wise. Dominic McKinley visited LSU. He looks like he's shutting things down. Terry Bussey is making some visits, but I don't think Norman doesn't sound like one of the location. The OU, player, OU coaches are following a couple of new Washington decommits, but there's no traffic indicating either of those guys are heading to Norman. I think the Ohio guy will probably end up a Buckeye. And the Arizona guy has 
everybody in college football trying to get him on campus. So I'm not sure that OU has a hook there to really uh, make any difference. Uh, no news whatsoever about anybody and any players from uh, the Washington or Alabama recruiting classes, maybe getting going back on the market that OU would pursue. Um, other than Noah Carter, um, specifically I'm talking about Casey Poe. And Casey Poe is enrolled at Alabama. So uh, I don't know what the, I, I don't know how he gets out of that letter of intent if he wants to leave Alabama and if he's in the transfer portal or he's back in the high school portal or I, I really, I don't, I, I honestly have never seen a situation where a guy enrolls at a school, then leaves the school and then tries to go to another college and if he's eligible or not. So we'll cross that bridge when it becomes relevant, which doesn't look anytime soon. We're expecting Jim Harbaugh to choose the NFL. And at this point, with all the coaches having gone everywhere else, I'm pretty sure Sharon Moore is going to get that job. So I would anticipate that OU doesn't have a chance of picking up a Michigan offensive line recruit. Interesting. What so we you, really would you want. think they would just pull the trigger on Sharon Moore? With everybody, with everybody um, having been hired and all the hiring going on, yeah, I, I kind of think so. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of, I just viewed Michigan as that job where uh, it's on the same level as. I mean, they just won a national title, right? Uh, it would be like whoever you want to call, the majority of people would be like, love to have that phone call. <laughs> yeah, but 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 who who I mean, but who is who would be that person? Other than maybe Brian Kelly, um, yikes! I mean, they were talking DeBoer heavily yeah. before the before right. the championship game, and he's he's now got a job. Dan Lanning's not leaving Oregon and doesn't have really any Michigan connections that we know. Man, of. you know, it would be great. It'd be funny to see. I, he would never take the job, and I don't think he wants anything to do with uh, college football, but Vrabes, if you got a guy like Vrabel, of course, he's an Ohio State guy, well, I mean, but I mean. Yeah, yeah, which would be, you know, which would be. <laughs> Sacrilege. Yeah, I mean, he, he's probably, if I'm him, I'm if I'm him, I'm sitting and waiting in the weeds for the Columbus job, right? Like. He's probably going to get the Patriots job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, he's going to have, I think, he's the kind of guy that pushes that's some Jer- folks Jerry out. Jerry Mayo is already the. Oh, the that's Patriots right. Job, that's so. right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're talking about after last night if they're if the Philly's going to be crazy enough to push Sirianni out because you have guys like Vrabel and Belichick sitting out there. They're like, look, like, don't think any job is safe because of the talent pool that's sitting and waiting yeah. for jobs. Some owner's going to be like, hey, I I can go get this. Like to me, like Vrabel is, is like, safe, but he was putting a pretty average, I mean, a really average roster with the Titans and put them yeah. in the playoffs. You put them on like a, yep. a good roster. Yeah. Yep. But like, as for Michigan, I don't know. It's like, even if you, if you promote more, you kind of have an out to where it's like, you could even give it one year. And if it yeah. doesn't look like it's going well, you could still pull the trigger early and have the yep. full coaching search next year. It's not like you're going to have to overpay some ridiculous contract to promote him. That's a really good point. You know, just hey, let's let's try it out. Let's see what it looks like. And you keep the you keep the bulk of the recruiting class. Yep. I mean, they're they're. I, we'll we'll see, but I, I would anticipate that they're gonna they, if, if that they're gonna promote Sharon more just because from the college game, who else, who 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 could you pull? I mean, with all the hiring that's gone on with those three hires that went, I mean, Jed Fish is a guy you could have offered. Well, he's at Washington, and you know, I guess he could do the scumbag. Um, uh, was it the was it the guy at Colorado that 
jump ship to go to Michigan State? Was it Mel Tucker that did the one year, the half year? Well, I think he did thing? do the one year, but I think the original one year guy was, uh, oh gosh, he coached at Tulsa and Rice and Pitt and then Arizona oh, yeah. State. Uh, and then now, oh, yeah, Hawaii. I know you taught Graham. Todd Graham. Todd Graham. Like, Todd Graham. I think, didn't he yeah. do one, like one year, like three of those programs? I mean, it was yeah. like one year yep. at Pitt, one yeah. year at Rice. Consistently like leaving in the night. Yeah. Well, didn't didn't Manny Diaz like go somewhere and leave like within the same off season? Oh God, Maybe I think it, it was in like two weeks. Job, but no, you're right. He it was took like the, Miami took, and Pitt or something like that. He and, took the Temple yeah. job, or like, and with and then within like two weeks, yeah, Miami went, opened Miami up. Went to Miami, the Miami. Yeah. and they yeah. brought him back because he was the DC under rigged, and they treated and they, him oh yeah, so well. He got hired away, and they're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so I, I guess I guess something weird. I mean, it's a good, like you said, it's a great job. I just don't know of the guys that you would have thought, like, yeah, that makes that would be that would be an upgrade. That's a, a guy that you plug in there. I, I, three of them are off the table. Um, mm-hmm. So Urban Meyer's I mean, still out there. You tell me, Urban Meyer's not I mean, a Michigan it, man. It would, it would be like um, it would be like uh, somehow somehow he rehabs his career to the to. To, to unbelievable heights, and OU needs to hire a coach. And um, uh, the Longhorn guy um, who got the guy who got the, the Houston guy, I can't pull his name. Tom Herman. Um, it's like Tom Herman is like the best guy OU should hire. We're like, nope, not hiring him. Yep. Nope. It's like, you know, sorry, not hiring that Texas guy. Um, so, yeah, it would be, it would, I mean, even if Urban didn't have all the crap he has. You know, it burned his, every coaching bridge with that Jags job nonsense. Um, yeah, could you imagine? Michigan, I mean, I'd love to see Rich Eisen. Oh, my uh, God. Eisen, he hates the, Urban Meyer. Rich Eisen, yeah. he, he does. He's a huge Michigan fan. I love Rich Eisen. Uh, it would be, I'd love it just to see his meltdown and his show meltdown alone <laughs> would be priceless. But, uh, yeah, I think Sharon Moore is getting that job. So I, I, I just don't see how OU's picking up. Um, I don't see how he's picking up another 2024 20, kid from any of these um, coaching hirings and firings or whatever. No Sprague or Frazier. Okay. That, that doesn't, I, I know, I know, I know, Caleb, you and I both want that to happen, but I, and we were, and you know, I, but if Michigan does do something weird, cause their AD is a little flaky. So from according to some Michigan boosters, I know who don't overly love him. Um, I, anything is possible. But I just think with the, with the with the way he won the games while Harbaugh was sidelined, I just think they have a, they'll have a hard time not promoting him. So we'll see. So that's the that's the six minute nine minute NFL coaching uh, update from our podcast and uh, recruiting update. So we're going to go ahead and jump into some roundtable discussion. So Kyle and Caleb, I'll play Monty Hall here and or Alex Trebek or whatever you want to say and give you guys some topics kind of lead you around so we'll start off with the first one and i want you to genuinely from this perspective based upon what you thought preseason, give me your honest letter grade for ou's 2023 football season and kyle we'll start with you since you are the more of the guest here at our lunacy pod here all right um well so what the win loss total preseason was nine and a half so by at least outperforming that in the regular season i think you gotta say 
okay, we're at least in the A or B range. Um, I was pulling up kind of even like the, the K4 ratings where they have at least like how they changed, you know, week by week and what the rating was to just see, remind myself the path where through the Texas game, you know, we were all, all the way up to second ranked in the country on, you know, a lot of the metrics. And then, uh, you know, the wheels slowly came off a little bit here and there, especially on the defensive side. Um, you know, the bowl game, you kind of throw it out. There's so many people that are leaving here and there. And, you know, the matchup was weird. I, I still think we should have won like most people, but I'd say give it a B plus. Um, you know, the, the jump from last year, I think was good. We saw a lot of stuff we wanted to see, you know, preseason. We're still anticipating looking back now, like DG had a great year. That was still pretty unknown. He'd kind of had several of the same years, year over year, definitely made an improvement there. The defense made a huge jump from like the seventies into the thirties on most defensive metrics you'd look at. And, you know, that was very similar to what BV did at Clemson from like year one to two. So that was really nice to see. Um, so yeah, probably not enough, uh, to say an A minus or A without, you know, thinking of, you've got to get one of the Kansas or OSU games. You've got to get to Arlington, I think, to get, to get in the A. So really B plus. Okay. And Kyle, Kyle going, you know, off the board here with some actual analytics here. Always nice to, to, to roll that back into this show. We're always generally rife of a of kale of caleb and my opinions on shit um so always nice to have someone looking back at some numbers um and uh and, and, and looking at some stuff so uh <laughs> that's 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 good to see since uh uh we're a little more off the we're a little more off the hip on this show than you know uh than than i than i would say uh more of a deep a deep grounded six you know six sigma project management and analy- analytic approach caleb what would you, what grade would you give the OU season again, based on preseason expectations? No, I do appreciate I appreciate Kyle bringing some like some logic into it and like using <laughs> like sound reasoning because you know I think we both enjoy like let's let's use emotion and and and, and, and let that guide us. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm I'm in that same range. I was I'd probably go a B B minus. Uh, and the reason I would do B minus is simply the back half of the season. I don't know what to make of it. You know, the, if you, and I, I do, I agree with Kyle, right. Probably remove the Arizona game because I mean, gosh, you've got, I mean, you're starting probably third string offensive lineman in some spots with Caleb Schaefer, right. You're playing a third string guy inside. You're playing a true freshman quarterback. You've you're, you just lots of, lots of things moving around there. And then even that game, like, like, you know, as Kyle alluded to, right. It's a game you should have won if, and I'm not, I would not ever put this off on one guy and say if Jarrell Farouk does not fumble the ball, you know, but his, his two fumbles were, tw- I don't know, 21 point swing type things, you know, uh, cause Oklahoma's going into score. Well, Oklahoma's going into score on both. And then, they returned one for seven. So you're talking about just this massive like flop, you know, flip there. But if you even move that the last six games, you know, so UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, and TCU, like whether you looked like really in depth at position groups, at the team overall, different sides of the ball, from play to play, series to series, week to week, you by and large had absolutely no clue what you were going to get. 
didn't know if they were going to fit the run game up. You didn't know if they'd be able to tackle. Suddenly there were some busts on the back end. Offensively, sometimes one series they'd go out there and they'd run the ball great. And Gavin Sawchuk looks like Emmett Smith. The next time they'd come out there in really bad teams, just shove it, you know, just stick it up their ass. And you're like, I mean, what's going on? Uh, and so I, I do not have a clue other than I would say like, I find it interesting that if you use the analog uh, analogous and you want to pull like Baylor and you look at what Baylor did on the back half of all of their years when art was there, pretty much same thing, you know, it was really pretty much the same thing, uh, blow some teams out in the front side, rip it and make it look great. And then you get in the back half of the season, everything starts falling apart, margins shrink and you lose games you shouldn't lose. So, uh, you know, but, yeah, I would give it a B minus. You just didn't see the consistency across the board. You know, the West Virginia game being the only game where they came out and just played a great game, which really makes it all the more confusing because you're like, well, how did you have that in you? Um, and and on offense, I think we can say the TCU game offensively was was kind of a shootout. Yeah, I think they they were they were clicking they were clicking an offense. The TCU game and played great defense for stretches and played terrible defense for so. All right, so I'm going to go – I think I'm going to stick with Kyle. I'm going to go B-plus just because of how bad last year was. And nine, nine, nine and a half, you know, forecasted wins, hitting ten wins based upon what happened last year um, and what I felt like was the coaching improvements in terms of player development, young players year over year at linebacker, in the secondary for the most part when they were healthy uh, and at wide receiver. Um, uh, I think, you know, some of those new coaches, I mean, I think Emmett Jones and the wide receivers, I think kind of make me boy, you know, I, moving forward kind of, I think, you know, that was a very positive movement. Um, DG played much better. The running back room was a little bit cursed um, injury wise. And um I think um, the defense is a little troublesome, but overall, um, you know, to Kyle's point, they ended the year like one of the the key stats that um, I think Kyle has had me looking at that I've started to look at is stop rate, and they were they made significant gains stop rate wise, which is sort of one of those, you know, okay, that's that's like that seems like a real stat to me, right? Um, yards is so yards is so kind of weird, right? Because of garbage yards. Um, you know, and, and things along those lines. And um, I know you did play a little bit of bend and don't break at times as well. So um, I'll go with it. I think that's, a, I think those are both very good grades. I go B plus if, if you could have beaten Kansas or Oklahoma state and got into Arlington and beaten Texas in a rematch, obviously I think you have an A season um, regardless of what would happen in the bowl game, whoever you played in the bowl. Cause as we saw the bowl matchups got progressively weirder, uh, all across to all the ball matchups, right? I mean, Ohio State's bowl effort was weird. FSU no showed their bowl game completely. Um, and for and I and you guys are right. I mean, it's I got I'm gonna have the game right. It's twenty four thirteen, and uh, Farouk had already fumbled once, and then he fumbled again um, to make the game. I mean, that that's a minimum of field goal, and at twenty seven. 13 going into the fourth quarter, you know, OU's more or less in control of that game. So even that game was weird with the passing yards and the 
big big running plays, not consistent running plays. So, all right. So let's let's throw a different spin on the season. What was the most su- most surprising positive aspect of uh, of Sooners twenty twenty three for you? And and Kyle, we're gonna we're gonna pretty much let you go first until we have to start picking stuff. Then I'll let you go last, so you have time to think about things. So, play. We're gonna do some player selection stuff. I'll let you go last, so you got some time to think of those. So. Kyle, what do you think was the most surprising positive aspect of the season? Surprising. Okay, that that word kind of changes it a little bit. Um, you know, it's like, hey, I'd say, you know, the jump of the defense was, you know, kind of what I was hoping for um, based off what we'd seen and some of the additions. I, I think maybe just the overall secondary play. It seemed like so many guys like took a step forward from Gentry and Bowman and I mean we played a lot of safeties and it just seemed like we had waves of guys coming in and I think that was a big part you know it's like we've expressed our frustration of D-line play it still kind of seems like a lot of Jimmy's and Joe's more than anything that the talent is young and we got to get it more up to speed and things like that but man um, you know Stutz making a big jump didn't seem surprising based off how he finished last year it just seems like the secondary was saving us like I was kind of even thinking back to like how surprised I was to win the Texas game. And you think about the number of interceptions we got on viewers that really changed that game. Um, it just seemed like when, when they were playing well, we as a team were playing well, you know, the, the Kansas and the OSU game that were some of the rougher defensive back games. Um, but overall, I think the step forward there was, was very surprising and welcome addition from Brandon Hall and Jay Valai. Okay. I like that answer. Um, Caleb, what would you say was the most surprising positive aspect of the season? I mean, I would, some part of me wants to really echo Kyle, uh, but just for the sake of being a little bit different, I, I think we had a really good thread on this, uh, I think preseason on the board, and there were some pretty good threads on social media preseason, which probably reminds me, maybe to revisit one of those uh, around who's got the best, you know, receiving unit in the big 12. And there were a lot of folks like really down probably in, you know, just in terms of what is the known versus unknown with Oklahoma's receiving core. Uh, and I think, you know, for me to look at the season that the, the group had overall, I mean, Drake Stoops just just south of a thousand yards. I mean, to me, it's pretty shocking to be honest with you. Right. You know, Nick Anderson sets a bunch of, uh, you know, freshman receiving records, freshman All-American, you know, right there, essentially 800 yards. I think he was second uh, once the season ended in terms of yards per catch, uh, you know, and, and you think about it, they did that. And I think we all, we all saw the impact that Brennan Thompson has when he's healthy and you can get him in there, how he opens things up and changes uh, coverages, his big playability. And Oklahoma by and large did that with, you know, without, uh, probably their best receiver and Andrell Anthony for half the season. And with, you know, Brennan Thompson getting some spot duty here and there, right. West Virginia comes in big, huge play and uh, just, you know, just kind of getting some things. So seeing what, uh, what Emmett Jones was able to do with that receiver group in his first year, getting, getting out of what he did, you know, uh, with, with a guy like Jaden Gibson, and Nick Anderson, and now they've got Farouk coming coming back, and you've got you've added Burks, you know, uh, from some Purdue. 
get Brendan Thompson healthy. It's 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 really surprising that going into twenty twenty three, you know, by and large, everybody's like, ah, Oklahoma's maybe the biggest question marks receiver. And going into twenty twenty four, you'd probably stack it up and say, if you wanted to have an argument, Oklahoma's you know maybe in the argument for the best receiving core in the country. You know, yeah, just I think that's ter- great. So it's a that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big flip. And I mean, Emmett Jones is he's doing a heck of a job. Like really, coaching on the field, recruiting, he's an impressive hire. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna sort of act. I'd like to say you've said that, so I'm gonna say, and I'm 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 gonna stick with this because you know, as a site, we been we were pretty critical on the whole quarterback thing. I'm gonna have to give Dylan his props for having a much better. I, I thought that maybe Dylan had flatlined and if we were going to get anything, it was going to be in the running game or defensive improvement. And we kind of know what we had in Dylan and we weren't going to skip much more from him. So he came very close to sort of the 170 passer rating, 70% completion rate that I thought was going to be necessary for him to really have a very good year, which were both career highs for him, I'm pretty sure. Um so I'm going to have to give the props to Dylan raising his level of play because I, I didn't really think he had it. I don't think he had that in him. Um, I think he would, if if he's at quarterback for the bowl game, they, they usually win that bowl game. Um, just based upon the fact that I don't think Dylan threw six interceptions all, all season, right? I don't, did he have more than six INTs? Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but he, did, I, he didn't throw many. Well, Arnold um, only had three if we're going down that route. Well, so. that's, that's, that's true. That's true. But, <laughs> six. Um, Dylan has six, just so, six, yeah. six total on the year. Okay, so we had three. All right, Kyle. All right. All right. Yeah, there was – and then there were three fumbles. There were three fumbles, yeah. two by yeah. Farouk, one by all right, Arnold. All right. Well, Arnold, all right. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, – but I'm just going to say I think DG's – I just didn't I, – I just thought he was maxed out. Like, we're going to see what we saw last year. There's no – raising of his game and he did raise his game um i think to a to a significant degree obviously the the texas drive and he played well against texas where we didn't we didn't see him the year before you know really when when they when they used everything they could with you know with him right so both his legs and his arm yeah that's when the, the offense was at its best it's and it's interesting you look at the oklahoma state and the kansas games and they did not use him in the run game yeah. Which is odd because it's everybody, every film guru that watches those two teams, were like that week, were like, "Oh, Dylan's going to have a big game running the ball," and they come out and don't use him at all. All right, so with the light, there must be the dark. So I'll let Caleb go first on the negative, most surprising negative aspect of the season. What's the thing that surprised you the most about this about the twenty two? Do you want a unit or do you want a guy? Whichever one you <laughs> let's just. I, I, you know what. I'm going to make you stick to a guy. Savion Bird will always be remembered yeah. to me as like the what if. There you know, you, you want – I mean, he had moments in the bowl game where he was an absolute bully and dominated some of the Florida State defensive tackles, and that was his first start. Uh, and you watch him, you know, even some early this past year, absolutely early, you know, some of his action in 2022, when you would see him pull – he just he's different. Like the velocity he gets uh, coming down the line, it's it's just one of those. I don't know what happened if he just lost his confidence uh, or, or what occurred there with him. But uh, you know, I, coming in there the year, I thought he's got the potential to be uh, future NFL. You know, 
I, I, the NFL draft has changed, but you know, like a second round pick type guy at guard. Uh, you know, if he's right physically and he's six five and he's three hundred and fifteen pounds and moves the way that he does, and if he's locked in and just playing with his attitude and you know, when he's playing his you know, his 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 form of football at the level that he can, he's he's fantastic. So to see him just fall off and then end up transferring is uh one of those you'll know, I'll always think to myself like I would love to know why, what happened, and he'll always be a big what if. Okay. Um, Kyle, you can either go a player or a group of players, or I don't know. You can do something creative. I'm gonna leave this free for you to you free free form. For I'll, you. I'll, I'll follow Caleb with a player, and you know I'll, I'll go the other side of the ball and just say you know what we thought we were getting with the uh, the days of Kalmus and Layman reincarnate of uh, Danny and Kanick. Uh, I think we were all a little disappointed with Canick's play this year, you know, and, and for the number of snaps he got, um, I was pulling up PFF real quick while Caleb was talking. It's like he had the fourth most defensive stats on the team and he finished the year with a 49.5 grade. <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's tough. You'd see the flashes, you see the athleticism, and then you'd see stuff like in the Kansas game where we watched and he's like loafing down the field, you know, watching, a tight end catch a pass over top of him and you just seem completely lost. And, you know, I know the linebacker position is pretty new to him, but you, you'd have guys come in like Kip that would just, you know, be in the right spot and instantly felt like an upgrade. And then we, the next possession Kanek would be back in. And so it's like, I know BV was just trying to do anything he could to get that learning curve just done on the field um, but man, I just, uh, I feel like we thought we had like the next big thing last year when you'd see him flying around and, and, you know, the, the bowl game, it seemed better. Um, so maybe another off season's what he needs, but you just thought we had this, you know, beastly athletic tandem at linebacker between Danny and him this year that just, I feel like never really played out. That's, that's a, that's a good pick. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to skip the obvious name, um, which is our kicker. Um, because, uh, I, you know, I think it cost us probably maybe could have cost us at least a game or at least a chance to get to overtime maybe in a game um, and made the Texas game slightly more interesting. Um, yeah, I think I heard, a, skip that. heard a stat that BV has like seven losses in Norman that are one score and in five of them we've missed at least one field goal. It's like, oh, yeah, that'll change, yeah, you know, or it's like even if it wasn't a three point pretty... loss, you know, if it's a six point where you're yeah. having to throw, you know, into the end zone on the final play of the game, like Kansas, if you had made a field goal earlier, now you're just kicking a field goal to win. And I don't know, I'd have to look that up. But someone was telling me that I was like, oh, that is a rough stat. To it, hear. It, se- it seems accurate. And I'm not really sure I'm blaming him here, but Javante Barnes season mm-hmm. is just a mess. Yep. And maybe that's injuries and maybe that's not shutting him down and just saying just, just red shirt. Yep. Um, but his season and then his, when he was running, um, what's, what's the term? I, I'm going to fumble. This isn't a term um, that, that Damien actually calls him. It's like, he's like a, it's like a tackle magnet. Is it, is that, is that what it is? That's not <laughs> quite right. It just, it's, yeah. it's, He's like a see. He's seeking tackles, he's a defender right? Missile, or, right. He's just looking like a, yeah, there yeah. we go. He's a, yeah, there it is. It's like, he's like, He's like blowing up defenders when you're like, dude, you're a running back. You should be avoiding defenders. Run to daylight. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. run to daylight. So, 
Um, I, and I'm not sure how much of that was just him being hurt. So I don't mm-hmm. want to be too critical on it. But when you think about what he did in 22 and you think about his bowl game, um, what we got out of Javante Barnes this year was was pretty, pretty sad. To add some um, insult to injury on Caleb's too, if Savion Bird stays and starts the whole year, do you think Missouri has a big NIL package for a backup guard? No. No. <laughs> no. Nice yeah. little domino no. effect. You don't no. you don't quite have the same film, you know, available no. for the masses no, to don't. start bidding on. Um, but yeah, but but then also <laughs> if they if they did, you'd be like, dude, you never played for us. Yeah. You know, whatever, yeah. you know, go go crazy. So um it's alternatively why you know the panic and the attractiveness sort of go go hand in hand. So it is a good point though. All right. So that's I think a good summary of kind of what went on. Um let's talk about moving forward. So what's the one um player you want or you think oh you needs to have what we would call a breakout super spring? And and Kyle, would you like to have your first choice, or do you want to hear hear us go first and let your your mind think about? It? I'll go. Uh, I assume we can all, all right. agree to not say Jackson Arnold, right? Let's let's take yeah, the, Jackson the, the Arnold new is quarterback off, is, off is the off, table. Is is off the table? That's that's a that's a rookie rookie podcast answer. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. so going into SEC play, uh, we definitely need the lines to improve. Uh, so that still leaves lots of options for for everyone. Um, you know, since the the defense has been playing better, I'll go ahead and say Jacob Sexton. Um, I think you know we you'd see some stuff. I mean, he's just a mountain of a, a kid. Um, I feel like you know, being from Edmond myself, like I remember seeing him at Deer Creek, and I just like I feel like every time you see him, he's somehow bigger. Um, I remember when he was a recruit, it was like, is this, you know, is he like a guard tackle type? Okay. Maybe he'll be like a right tackle type. And then he just like keeps getting bigger with a longer wingspan. It's like this kid is humongous. Then he gets the setback from the bowl game a year ago and, you know, doesn't really get the full off season. And I think that really just showed out in his play this year. It's like he, he was still obviously trusted by bill, got a ton of snaps ended up starting basically the last third of the season with Guyton battling injury and then potentially, you know, shutting it down for the draft. Um, I think getting a full strength and conditioning, I mean, the kid was like built in the weight room. He was a power lifter and everything. I don't don't think it's anything that he's going to be taking lightly, but just getting his legs back under him and just starting to cement one of our tackle spots, you know, the, the number of transfer portal guys we're having to look at, um, you know, we were talking in our group chat, okay, you know, at least every year when we have, you know, kind of the concern around Bill and how he's going to rebuild and gel a line, there's always at least like one or two guys that you can kind of pencil in and just be like, okay, those will be our, our anchors. Let's figure out the other two or three. I don't feel like there's a single spot that's anchored. I mean, I guess you could say Everett at center, but like he got hurt again in the bowl game. You know, is that really what you call an anchor? You'd say Sexton, at least one of them. Hopefully it's left tackle, um, but he has been playing right. I don't know. It's weird to just be in this position where it's like really all five spots. You could kind of convince yourself like, yeah, it could be him or him, or it could be this guy or that guy. I think if he just gets in, gets, you know, his strength back, I think he'll be able to anchor one of the spots down and we'll feel a little bit better about at least, you know, part of the O-line going into next year. Maybe the, maybe the most 
um, unknowns on O line since 2015. Yeah. Whatever. Yep. I'd agree and, with that. and read into that, not read into that, whatever yeah. you want. And think but, about how many freshmen played on that line. You know, it, it started yeah, rough. And, I was at that Tennessee game and golly, it was, oh yeah. it was rough yeah, it for was, three quarters. And then it, 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 it was, know, it was people not started pretty. figuring it out. Um, but it was that was a veteran 2014 line that didn't really end up doing anything because everything else was a mess. But then 15 was it. So, all right, Caleb, you have the entire roster as your plaything except for Jacob Sexton. That's a really good pick. Who though. Are you choosing? That's a really good pick by by Kyle. That probably would have been. It's, it's, it's a it's a solid it's a solid non rookie podcaster player draft move. But he and I see completely eye to eye on Sexton. I think. Him having a full off season, you know, tearing your ACL in December and then getting released. I mean, he's he's rehabbing that throughout the summer, right? And I've heard Gabe and some others talk about. Oh, he's got to get stronger. He's an extremely strong kid in terms of weight room. I think that's more of him needing to just get that knee a hundred percent right, and then he'll have this off season to just continue because to get stronger. I think there's videos of him and coming out of high school. Uh, pulling like 600, you know, deadlift and bench pressing 450. He's, you know, he's, I think he'll be good. Uh, I know he struggled some in the bowl game. And, and I think that was just, you know, uh, it happens, you know, a guy you get against a, a speed rusher, you struggle once he gets the edge on you, you overset, he works underneath. And, and now you're in this dance of like, okay, got to reset. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen that happen to Trent Williams when he was at the Redskins. So it's, you know, uh, if I had to pick a guy, though, I'm just going to stay on the offensive side of the ball. And in in reason being, I think you look at these past two years uh, and all of those games, and there's been a multitude of reasons, and it's multifaceted. But and and most of the games, like the offense, had these long stretches where they just did not play complimentary football. Continue to put the defense back out there over and over and over, and things would start to unravel. And the offensive line's got to get better, but Oklahoma has got to get a guy like Gavin Sawchuk would be who, who I'm, I'm going to put up there. You know, he's going into year three. The, you know, the talk of like, what can he be? Uh, when he's healthy, he can be. That stuff's got to drop off. It's got to stop being, we need him to be. We got it's the words of like, we hope, we thank, the potential, and if, you know, as it's related to his health, have got to go away. It's either that or, you know, get Taylor Tatum in there, tell Gavin Sawchuck, Hey, you're going to be, you know, fighting for whatever's left over. But, you know, so he super talented guy, uh, really interested to see what Oklahoma does from a scheme in the run game perspective. You know, if I'm being quite honest, I frigging hate what they did. Uh, and, and Jeff's, I call it a scheme. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's not great. It creates no space for guys. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're what they'll do, but you hope to see a huge jump there because Oklahoma needs a guy that he can make the one defender miss, right? He can break arm tackles. He can, he can be creative. He doesn't have to be blocked up. Absolutely perfect for him to make, for him to make a play. And they need a running back. They can lean on when, you know, like, like in the bowl game, when you're up 11 points, right. Or 10 points in the third quarter, you need to go drive. You need a six minute drive, whether we're getting three or we're getting seven, where we just take the wind out of their sails and put this out, right. Play some complimentary football right here. And you do that by controlling the line of scrimmage and do that with the run game. So it's, you know, I think, I think the Jake and, and Gavin pair well off each other. Well, I was, 
I'm stuck trying to come up with an answer where my original answer. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and go into my recruiting hat, you know, super future of the OU team. And the guy I want to hear had a super spring is Logan Howland. I don't, as we've talked about, um, tackle depth is, it's tight. It's, we think the interior guys in the recruiting class showed something at the Under Armour game. Um, I think if you move Jake Taylor inside, he can rediscover himself as a guard. Maybe. Uh, and I think that's maybe where he belongs. And I think you have the ability to do that and you can give the freshmen some run if your young offensive tackle who has a world of potential at tackle um, – Logan is apparently right now six seven three hundred pounds. Going into going into winter workouts, if he adds another ten fifteen to his frame, which I think is with his big frame, that's that's he can easily carry it. If he has a really good spring, and again, most and again, I know folks sometimes like, oh no, a redshirt freshman is our fourth string offensive tackle. Ah, it's like guys, most teams in college football when you get down to their fourth offensive tackle, are going to be talking about a freshman or a redshirt freshman. And I'm talking Ohio State, Alabama, LSU. Maybe maybe Georgia is the only team that isn't there, and that may depend upon who leaves for the pros with them or not. I just I just think, you know, we've had freshmen, you know, it, we've had freshmen and redshirt freshmen play really well yeah. on the offensive line, that this isn't, it, it's not. Is it the best solution? No. We should have some sophomores and juniors ready to step in. Um, but when you undersign like oh you did, that just it's not happening. Yeah, so, I mean, if you think about what we've talked about so often of that fifty percent hit rate on offensive linemen, it's like by the time you know these other kids are juniors or seniors, you probably know which bucket they're in. You know, like the reason exactly. we've, we've seen so many older linemen from OU portal out and find themselves at much lesser programs. Like, yeah, I, th- I like think South, you're right. Well, most, South Carolina O-line being just so bad yeah, that even know, they're willing to take. Most of these programs are, you know, you're, you're moving past those older kids and starting to put in the, the freshmen and sophomores in the two deep because it's like, look, we already know what this is and it's not going to be it. So let's get you ready and you're the backup now. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's how – you know, I'm surprised nobody took PJ. I, I was between Sexton and PJ, Same. you know, I wanting to I'm, get an NFL level defensive lineman. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, man, I, I. Well, 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 Matt. Okay. So, all right. So he's not on the pod. So we're, so we're going to pretend I'm Matt Burns and I'm showing up late. And Matt Burns is selecting uh, PJ Adeware, uh as his player that he'd like to see. Uh, have the biggest improvement uh, this spring. There we go. Matt Burns was selecting PJ for you, Matt. I'm sure you won't, you won't object. All right, let's let's narrow this down a little bit, constrain you a little bit, because it's it's a it's not a huge group, but it's a, certainly a bigger group than I thought. Who is the portal guy you are most interested in seeing or hearing about in the spring? Like, okay, what 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 did we just get? And and you're in. You're, you're like, okay, I got. I need more details than what we were able to drag up in the month of December and January uh, and what they did. So, 
Uh, Caleb, I'll let you have your first choice here. Oh, man. Uh, strictly portal, guys. Uh, you want to stick on the on the offensive line, right? And, and I would probably go... Exp- <laughs> well, everyone, everyone's obsessed on it, right? Well, you know... Everyone's I'm, obsessed on it every time... Every you bring time. up a really good point, though, on... I mean... Hey, I'm. I mean, it's it's a talking point. Like I've I've been talking on. It. You, you bring up a really good point on Howland, though, right? Like, you know, uh, you scroll down any college roster and you get to the fourth. Let's call him the fourth, right? Let's say your top three tackles are, are Sexton. Uh, maybe he's even fifth, right? If they really think Jake Taylor is an offensive tackle, I agree. I think his, you know, he looked good at guard as a as a true freshman. But you, know, you get down to that point. Yeah, your top two hundred, you know, uh, offensive, you know, redshirt freshman is going to be right there, at, you know, four or five, and you know, or you know, fighting to be on the two deep, like that's what you would, you know, that's what you would want. If I'm going to stick there, I, I'm going to say like, I'm, so Spencer Brown, the transfer from Michigan State, I think you want to start to get an idea of for me, right? Like, uh, can Bill. You know, I think Brown is more tooly, right? To use like he's got more like raw tools, let's say, than like Tarquin at tackle. I know Gabe said like Tarquin, he sees him as a as a tackle. Uh, I like him when you watch his stuff when he was at Florida and they're running the ball and working off the RPO. Him coming off the ball with his hand on the ground, I think he would he could play guard. Uh, you know, he does have a tendency sometimes to get high and. Uh, but again, I think just, you know, work on his pads, but I want to see if Spencer Brown can be one of those guys, right? He's six, seven, he's 315 pounds when he, you know, comes off the ball with intent and knows what he's doing. He, he moves really well. You know, uh, I think he's, he's, I'd want to compare him to Adrian Ely, but Adrian was a little flat footed and a little bit more awkward. Like Spencer's a, same size type of individual with the same type of physical tools and traits, but he moves better. He moves more fluid. He's not flat footed. Uh, you know, and if you said, Hey, Caleb, you're going to get, or Hey, OU fans, right. Spencer Brown's going to be Adrian Ely plus one. He's going to be, you know, on the plus side. Uh, uh, Bill got a lot of it. Bill got a lot of Adrian. Ely, no, right? he did, absolutely. You know, yeah. it was that, that, you know, it was, I think he and, uh, you know, getting him returned, I remember for the the game against Texas, right? It was a big part of them being able to run the ball that year and beat Texas, you know, there in the Red River uh, shootout. So, no, I mean, I, but I think you want to start to, for me. I, you think you want to find that idea in the spring of okay, we feel really good about you know Sexton being one of those tackles. Was the other kid going to be Tarquin or is it going to be Spencer Brown? Is it which one? You know, let's, let's, you know, both of you have played bunch, uh, big 10 and sec. So you played in the lines of scrimmage leagues and, uh, you know, uh, and I agree with, I, I agree with Kyle. I think both of those guys will benefit from time with Schmitty and time with bill. And, uh, I think bill does a better job from a, he's got more say on the scheme and I think he does a bit better job of, and I don't want to say like hiding deficiencies, but just somewhat right like helping i'm gonna we're not gonna expose you in these areas and uh you know we he does a better job identifying who guys are what they really are well i mean yeah i think just from a scheme perspective i guess what i'm saying is you know i think like 
you okay. watch like Tarquin and he looked better at Florida. I think a lot of it had to do with Florida, like a lot of boot action, a lot of RPO, they moved the pocket and they would do a lot, you know, again, a lot of play action. Uh, and they weren't asking him to like go out there and like what USC did with Caleb was like, okay, we're going to just, we're going to flood everything out. We're not going to keep it back and we're not going to chip a tight end. And we're going to ask you to go out and block the top edge rusher of the country in Watu from UCLA all game. Like, well, that's stupid. And he's going to, you know, like eat your lunch. Well, you know, like it's like coaching is, you know, by and large, right? Like putting your players in the best position to be successful. I think Bill does a good job of knowing, okay, you know, this, this guy struggles with this. Like if for his think about Eric Swenson for as much as he was banged up and as limited as he was, I think Bill did a pretty good job of putting him in spots where he wasn't just, you know, uh, asked to do things that were going to just get him and the team put in a, in a bad spot. So, but yeah, you know, give me, give me Spencer Brown and them trying to figure out who's, 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 the, who is the tackle opposite of uh, Sexton. Okay. Kyle, what portal guy are, are you most interested in seeing and hearing about? In um, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking of, on a need basis and was, you know, thinking someone like Jake Roberts, who's been in, Latrell's offense before could be that safety net, but then also help out on a needy offensive line blocking. Um, but man, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you're good at something and you can get even better at it, you know, just make your strength even stronger. And I want to see what Dion Burks looks like in this offense. Ah, you stole my answer. I That's mean, incorrect. You can't choose him. It, it's just, All right. you know, I sit there and you're like, okay, yeah, you've already got Nick Anderson and you've got, you know, Petaway even as a somebody who seems like a similar build and elite speed and you know who knows what Gibson can do with another year of Emmett and you know it's like like Kayla said it, it it almost became the strength of the team that room thanks to Emmett Jones but man when you now have a quarterback that can legit stretch the field as we saw in one game and you add a player like Deion Burks who could take a bunch of snaps from Drake's old spot in the slot, or I, I really hope that he kind of pushes some snaps at Farouk's spot. Um, you know, cause people forget the year before that was Mims spot over there. And when you have a speed wide receiver in that spot, stretching the field, getting those go routes, I mean, you are just adding so much stress to the defense and it, it starts getting people walking back. It opens up the run game and, I just think he's one of those electric guys that, you know, can completely change the season. Yeah, I'm I'm, st- I'm still stunned though. You caught him, yeah. kind of like, yeah. How, how did how did we pull that off? I, um, I don't know. Texas Texas is scrambling for receivers at the end of the portal period, and we picked up the best, probably maybe the best receiver in the portal, or at least you know that's what folks were saying. Mm-hmm. I'm like from the on from the hop, so I'm like that's a really good answer. So along those lines. The portal guy I'm most interested in seeing and hearing, basically because we have so little footage of him, other than him running some belldozer plays <laughs> and like three passing yeah. highlights. Uh, I mean, the kid looks. I mean, you know, if if you're just going by, you know, well, that, that's a t- that's a tight end in an OU uniform right there. That's what it should look like, right? Six five, two forty five, athletic as all get out. Um, I'm fascinated to see now that the competition has got raised a little bit. What does uh, Bauer Sharp do in spring? Because now you have Jake Roberts. Yeah. Um, where, you know, 
Joe John Finley is not is talking like we're going to finally see a Caden Hel- a Caden Helms sighting, right? The the elusive Caden Helms <laughs> is we're going to see something, right? I mean, it's it's really. I mean, I hate saying this, but it's he needs to flash in spring, or I think he might be. Um, he might be looking for a, a transfer back to the Nebraska area. Um, just, you know, I mean, this is the spring, it's the spring he's got to hit it, right? So I think Bauer's sharp just because we have so little data on him. But if he but if he was able to flash at all this spring along with Jake Roberts, and all of a sudden the position that we have just, I mean, what's the weakest position on the team? It's just like, well, other than tight end, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know. Last year, that was all. You know, what's the weakest position on the OU team other than tight end? Right? We we got. Do I can I can I not choose tight end? It's like Jeopardy for, you know, he's like the Jeopardy double daily double answer. What's the weakest position on the OU team? Tight end. Okay, I have to choose something other than tight end. Can I choose second tight end? Can I choose you know like third tight end <laughs> backup? Can I choose backup tight end? Um, so I think uh, that's the one I'm most interested in seeing. Uh, just like okay, what what did we actually get? From was it Southeast Louisiana? I think Is so. Right? I think so. I thought it was, was SLSU. Isn't that Southeast Louisiana? <laughs> the Mud Dogs. I just go with the Waterboy reference. Is it a water? Is it the, uh, do, we, do we get the tight end from the Waterboy football team? Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Um, if they were orange and blue in his film, whenever I clicked on it for the first time, I definitely would have thought it was some sort of joke recruitment. Be like, wait a minute, there's uh, no yeah. <laughs> the fake. Okay, the fake. Okay, so. Spinning that question around on the opposite turn. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Putting it on its head, what high school early enrollee are you really interested in seeing and hearing about in spring? Um, well, I mean... Let's just start at the top. David Stone. Let's see what a five That's star where I was gonna go. looks like. Good pick. It's the easy answer, right? Yeah. It's the, it's, it, I almost should have said. I almost should have said no. David okay, Stone. Okay. Do we want to? We can. We can remove. Well, David no. Stone. No. I think. I think that's. I think that's. A, I think that's a good pick, though, because I do think one of the keys is like I think you're right on the defensive line. You know, you've got these. So I don't know what they are now. Fifth or sixth year guys. Fifth year guys coming back, but you want to know like, hey. Uh, we've got Jacob Lacey, but is David Stone going to be a guy that could push and be a dude, you know, year one out the gate and, uh, you know, take a bunch of those snaps? So that's a really good pick. Well, and, what, and, and not only that, like, what does it look like? It, you know, we've talked about Ali has done a bunch of 3 3 5 stuff. Is, is he going to, you know, stay a little lean because we need to cut some bad weight off to start? And, you know, maybe not as much being in an IMG versus, you know, podunk america or something like that but does he 
play more edge year one, like some people have talked about, or is he able to pack on weight and he's immediately like thinking an interior and we can do like more four down stuff. And, and, you know, overall, what does that look like? It's, I always say it's a little bit of a cop out when these people are like, we're three, three, five. And then you look and there's a linebacker standing right outside the tackle. Who's, you know, 245 pounds and rushes the passer 95% of the time. It's like, guys, you're running a four, two, five. You realize that, right? Like, congratulations. He doesn't put his hand in the dirt. <laughs> but you know so where where does he line up how real is it you know from the get-go and you know i i just I, I vividly remember like where i was you know back in the day even that first like tommy harris season and and just like it felt like play one like on the first drive it was like it actually was, was. North carolina game that year yeah because yeah. julius peppers had the like crazy pick six or something on eight hibble and and uh and just like hit instantly flashes like oh this is what a five-star defensive tackle looks like okay that that's cool um and just so just i mean yeah putting those expectations on i mean we we all think that he's a top 10 player in the, the country and i mean there's just a different level of player when you're talking about you know top 100 kids or top 50 kids when you're in that like top 10 it's generally like a oh my gosh everybody's gonna know it when they see it all right Caleb, you get to choose anybody but David Stone. Well, I just love the answer because he touched on some fun stuff in there when he talked about do we see some more 335 and really like a true one gap attacking 335 because you've got Dasan and you've got Kip. So with Zach Alley, does he would say, okay, look, we've got to find a way to get a bunch of these linebackers on the field together because, you know, they can they can bring it from every different direction and we can just be really multiple and you know Brant loves and I'm sure Zach does as well right to be to play it's a bit more of like the NFL style we're going to play matchup football you know we're not going to oh throw this scheme out there that's just going to be you know uh adherent to the scheme it's a little bit more of the Bruce Lee approach you know be water right be formless like if you take whatever shape you've got to be um so high school enrollee that I want to see I hate to continue to talk about the offensive line, but it's for me, it it would be Daniel Lake and Kumi. And, and it's something we've t- Well, they are four. They do. They represent four of the guys. So it's okay. okay. All right. Well, you know, especially after all the reviews over the last couple of months, man, they, they've got me a lot more interested. I'll say that than I was a couple of months ago. Well, so, and that's the thing for me that I'm probably the most interested to see with him is, and we talked about it on the board, and I think we talked about it in our admin chat, and like, you know, Kyle, we were talking a little bit on the board as well. And Chris, I know you and I have. Like, to me, he's the most, for lots of reasons, but just from a, watching his film, even, he's the most interesting guy because the frame and the length, like, he's got, like, was it, I think, 80, 80 plus inch wingspan, right? Uh, all of those things and the athletic ability, they say, you know, so athletic profile says tackle. He's looked most comfortable at guard, which really makes a lot of sense given he's played such little football relatively, you know, to his peers. And so it it makes sense that he's just more comfortable when the space is condensed. So the question I have is like, hey, can Bill take all these traits and just get him comfortable at like right tackle? We say, hey, look, we're going to play right tackle, right? And hey, we've got we've reshaped our tight end room with Devon Mitchell and Bauer Sharp and Jake Roberts, and we've got Caden Helms and McIntyre, and we're not going to we're going to try to condense the space a little bit. We're going to keep tight ends around you. We're going to do these things, right? But you know, because I think 
one of the things, if you came out of spring and they said like, Hey, we actually feel fantastic about Daniel Ikenkumi's future at tackle. You know, he's six, five and he's 300 pounds and he runs and he's long for days. We think we've got a future tackle there. I think you'd feel like, Oh man, like that's, you think I'd put this in our, on the board, right. On your real, you had a really good article on really re ranking the offensive line class. And where I came in was like, Hey, I feel great about it. I, I struggled to give it an A because you knew you needed tackles and you only got one. If you come out of spring and you say, well, we've got two, we've got Isaiah Autry and we've got Daniel Aiken Kumi. So I think you come out of there being like, okay, that's with, uh, with what Brooks looks like. I Sosa looks massive, right? I mean, I saw those pictures of him show up. He looks like he's probably grown an inch. He looks in the six, five, 300, you know, five pound range. And, uh, you know, you've got the monster down in Florida running track this spring, uh, you know, an EPL. I think you look I at saw that a class. picture too of him, like skinnying up. That could be Dude, really He looks like Brent was not lying when he said he, he looks like a guy you'd look at and think he been in the NFL for a year or two. I saw, you know, just a video of him on a signing day and you're like, my God, you know, he's going to be the type of guy that rolls in and, you know, he's, a, I don't think he'll struggle physically. It'll be just, you know, from a technique perspective and things. So yeah, if, if Aiken Kumi comes out of spring and you feel like, Hey, we've got a tackle there in the future. I think that you're looking at potentially an A plus because Brooks looks like a guy that's going to be fighting for somebody's starting job year one. You know, maybe it's reps, maybe it's just reps, but he, he looks like that guy. All right. Since I don't want this devolving into a trenches podcast, I'm going to choose, and and fortunately, Kyle chose a skill position guy in the other category. So I'm going to have to say the number one guy, and he's almost an offense. He looks like an offensive lineman, and I've interviewed him, and we've all seen him, the footage of him running all over Jordan Johnson Rebel like he was a fifth grader at the Under Armour. I... I I want to see Bauer Sharp, and you gotta, you gotta show me some Davin there Mitchell. You go. I was gonna be I, my I other one, what, Chris. Yep. I gotta see what Davin Mitchell looks yeah. this spring because I think he could be like. Because you heard Joe John Finley, I loved his description. He's like, I was at Allen practice, and there was this huge senior hanging out with fourteen-year-olds, and I went over to tell him to get with his group because it's you know he was with the wrong people, and he's like, and I was trying to, I was gonna go, and I wanted to go off for him, and I'm like. Hey, what you know? You don't you need to be over with the you know with the seniors. I, I want to offer you. He's like, I'm only 14, sir. You know, it's like, you know, it's it's been that whole way. And then you know, Joe John's like, and now as a high school senior, he looks like an NFL draftee. He's like, it's it's ridiculous. Um, you give him the weight room because um, you know, I, does he have a little bad weight? I don't think I would ever ever have the courage to tell him that directly. Um, uh, Joe John can say that to him, but I think <laughs> you, you you take Davin Mitchell with a quarterback who can throw over the middle. I think this is where the tight end becomes more important, like as a safety valve, move the chains, right? We now have a quarterback who, from the bowl game, certainly showed flashes of, hey, I, I'm willing to work the middle of the field, guys. Um, I think Davin Mitchell's the guy I just want to see, and really I just want to have a huge spring so I can continue the – you idiots who reclassified him to a to the number 115 player in the nation don't know what you're talking about. That guy's a five star. He's a top 30 player. You've done it for all these other guys. Why you wouldn't do it for the best looking tight <laughs> yeah. end in the country? I have no. Yeah, clue, they literally but. just did it for the uh, the USC quarterback. Um, 
at quarterback, I right? The, the I mean, kid's name, but yeah, Juju, Juju, Juju. Not is it Juju Mitchell? No, I thought it was like Julian no, something. But Smith? yeah, he's from no, Georgia. Ju- well, he goes by he goes by Juju. He oh, goes by okay, Juju, though. okay. That's but his nickname. Yeah, he, yeah um, goes from twenty six to twenty five, and Smith, he Mitch, he still is. He yeah, went from number one to number four, and it's just comical yeah. how all these guys move like four. Four or five spots and at, at quarterback on moves hundred. It's like, what are we doing here, guys? Uh, yeah, at I, quarterback, where we know experience is like the number one. Th- I mean, you know, is like the the act, the biggest attribute. How many QBs that have reclassified have really worked out? You know, JT Daniels came in too early. Quinn Ewers came in too early. Like the number of guys that forced their way through their senior year. It's like, man, uh, I, I don't know about that. All right. So one last spin on our draft, our player draft. So coming out of spring, who would you like to or think should be or predict who you think is going to be the the guy coming out of spring where you're like, wow, that guy's that of the existing roster, not freshman, could be a redshirt freshman, someone who played. Who do you think is going to be the most improved returning sooner for 2024? Or at least coming out of spring, you're going to think that. Hmm. Man, I'll go something different just to, to to mention someone we haven't talked about somehow in this entire. By the way, podcast. Jackson Arnold again is exempt from being selected here. <laughs> uh, how about Peyton Bowen? Um, I feel like <laughs> as I make everybody angry again, you guys are not going to invite me back anymore. <laughs> Still <in> all of them. <laughs> That's a good one. Hey, yeah, you steal. You steal. I won't. I won't mention who else I was thinking of, so I don't lead any. But (laughs) you know, it's just like you. You just there were so many times I feel like during the year we're like, why is he not playing more? Every time he goes in, he does something good, and so you probably just needed that consistency, the adjusting to the next level, the the comfort in the defense, and you know, I I think even was a little dinged up at one point late in the year, but it's like Uh, he was, you know, just I don't think it's a surprise that defense dropped off when he couldn't play. Yeah, and it's like you know, getting him fully ingrained, a full off season of strength and conditioning, you know, I think people are going to kind of go in with the expectation. One of those two safety spots is his, him and Billy just ready to go. And and maybe you, you get a little fancy with him at the, the cheetah or him RSJ, you know, however you want to look at that rotation kind of thing. But it's like the talent is undeniable. He, he made so many plays in a limited number of snaps this year that you've got him focused. He knows it's his spot to take and, I, I just think it's going to be one of those things you see so many guys across the country that were, you know, five stars their sophomore years when they really just take off. Well, that's a good answer. And I, as I do think the defense suffered mm-hmm. his playmaking drop mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. He was hurt. And um, obviously our, our Booker T. Washington cornerback was hurt as well. Those two guys be missing action, a lot of action in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a shock. Our defense dropped off and those guys were off the field. Yep. So, Caleb, you can't choose Peyton Bowen. Um, I'm very happy that Kyle's stealing your choices, not me. So that's good. Um, <laughs> no, he's got good so, content. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, Caleb. That's right. So, Caleb, who, who would you – who do you think or hope would be the most improved sooner – Coming out of spring, you're like, wow, like, yeah, that's we're seeing all the buttons being pushed, and this this could be someone who's really going to move it for us. No, so I'll thank I will, I'll thank Kyle. I was I was going to take Peyton, but he's he's given me like the freedom to take. You know, a, a, when you said the word hope, there, I'll, this this guy is it's PJ. 
right? So PJ Adebore yep. at that defensive end, pick. like that's the guy. I think you look at the defensive line and oh hey, you've got you've got David Stone coming in. Jaden Jackson looks amazing. We've got Terry and uh, and Lacey. So we've got these vets. But what you want, you know, and have we've been for. I don't know how long since probably what since Dan Cody was roaming the sidelines and yelling at people and passing out in College Station, like o- Oklahoma fans. You, we've watched, uh, you know, Alabama or LSU or South Carolina or Michigan, these other programs, in Ohio State, namely as well, right? Trot out these these Adonis looking edge players that just change games you know they kind of shut off everything on that side they shit you're seeing teams have to slide protection to them you know i think for me like that's the hope right i know he had a bit of a foot issue i think uh and you know one of the probably the bigger disappointments for me and, and, and it's and it's really probably just a disappointment because my expectations were such is that we didn't see him just at some point for you to go like, okay, here's this guy. He's coming on. Here's this five-star future top 10 pick. Like, here it is. Here it is. You know, early in the year, you saw the twitchiness, but you just didn't see like this. It start to emerge. I think you want to come out of the spring. You just want to say like, hey, look, he comes trotting out first off the bus. And you're like, all right, it's it's starting to come together. And uh, we're going to pair him up with, you know, uh, with David next to him, Danny behind him, and and, and then PJ. I'm sorry, uh, but Peyton and, and Billy behind behind him, and so you know, start to get a one of the better defenses in the SEC, hopefully, which is still odd to say. It is, um, but if you're if you guys are both right, and and you have Stutz, you have Bowman, and then you have guys around them starting to step up like that, then all of a sudden, you know, at every level, you know, you could see that, you could see that defense. I'm going to go to the secondary and I'm going to go, because I think there's kind of like a breakout bubbling here. I'm going to go with Jacoby Johnson. Mm, Yeah, I like that. That's really good. He looks pretty on the hoof. Yeah, it's 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 all looks good. It's it's got everything. We we think Jay Valai is maybe the best cornerback coach we've had, and I don't want to recount the the cornerback coaches, uh, <laughs> some of the past <laughs> cornerback coaches. I did that on an X Twitter. Um, me and Barry Wise, the Barry Wise and Barry and uh, Mac show, were trying to come up with. We were going back like, who's the best safety coach since Brandon Hall? And it was not pretty. Let's just say, guys, it was not pretty, the names we were coming up with. Um, I just think Jacoby with the length, he didn't enroll early, so he's got a full winner, get in shape. Um, I th- would, wouldn't shock me if uh, we, do, we, we see a cornerback or two out for some injuries. I think Makari Vickers is a little banged up. I'm not sure what's going on with his ankle. They need um, uh, our, our, our shoulder, our constant shoulder stinger, Cornerback has already had surgery, right? Yep. Yep. Gentry's had um, surgery. Gentry's had surgery, so I think that might be a lot of runway for Jacoby Johnson to just sit in that sit in that cornerback spot and take. If you give him an inch, I think he will. His athletic ability, his frame, and his just ball skills will just all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that six three hundred ninety pound four four corner we had. Yeah, he's not leaving the field any longer. Yep, that's a good one. 
You, you, you left him an opening and he just took it. That's a good call out. So, um, well, and that's something that I've even talked about a lot with a lot of folks, you know, earlier this off season was just, you know, people were looking at, you know, Woody had some up and down performances, but I think, you know, you got to think about his seniority and, and what he brings, you know, overall to the team outside of, you know, some pretty high in play a lot of the time, but when you look at the snap counts for the defense, I mean, he played 850 defensive snaps this year. Billy was 780, Stutz at 722, and nobody else above 600. I mean, he's basically a cornerback that could not come off the field because of our depth and experience there. And so it's like, if you can get Vickers and Jacoby to even just help a rotation on his side, let alone spell Gentry and his entry history, and you can create kind of a two deep on both sides, like that's going to improve his play so he can go all out every snap that he's on the field and he's not having to put anything in the reserve tank. And, um, you know, I just think, Is it, I mean, it's, are we, did we see second, we, we talked about the defense, you know, second half, you know, having issues. Are we, mm-hmm. are we just seeing what we saw again, wearing down, yep. especially in the secondary, just wearing down and just, they just out of gas yeah. guys. You got to keep the reps up. You need a, you need a stuff. You need a sub stuts more for Kobe. You need a sub Gentry and, and Woody out for Mackay or uh, Kanai or Jacoby or Des Malone. Yep. You know, you just need to you need to get these guys in and just start subbing them out a little bit more. So I think Jacoby Johnson with some yeah, of the I like it. I think I like if, it. If the chance if if Vickers and and Gentry are both out, I think Jacoby's like, hey, I'm starting. Hey, I'm starting spring. What does that look like? And all of a sudden, you know, everyone's like, yeah, damn, that kid looks freaking on the hoof. And, yeah. And you know that kid just looked. That kid's it, man. That's that's our archetype. You know, you if healthy, your archetype cornerbacks are Gentry and Jacoby, right? I mean, you would you couldn't design a better duo. Right? Oh, just, I mean, you know, crafting, Jacoby's crafting them yeah, up skill set wise, like he's, I mean, elite, right? Six two and a half, six three. It'll be two hundred pounds. Run four four, probably vertical forty inches. Like he's, you know, like that's. Uh, I'm trying to think, is it Will Johnson at Michigan? Uh, but you know he's yeah, similar to yeah. that. I, you bring up such a good point. I saw Gentry talk about on the on a podcast, right? That red dirt that you know coming in, he thought, "Oh, I can play year one," and he was like, "I can physically," but the mental stuff, he was like, "Oh, wait, no, 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 I don't even know what's going on in meetings." I think you could see, you know, uh, Jacoby's one of the guys because I don't think he was an early enrollee, was he? He was he he wasn't winning was a state not, championship no, in no. basketball or playing for one. So I think the middle jump you could see from him. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he. Yeah, didn't come out and and uh, start to lock one of those spots down. And you got you, you know, Kyrie bring up a good point about it was playing so many snaps. I think it was a West Virginia game. Their coaches had done or someone right had done like a look at it. And at that point in the season, Oklahoma's defense as a whole had played two additional games more than what West Virginia had played because of the number of snaps. You know, so that's going to be hopefully they slow that down a little bit well especially if you have, and not to go too far here because we're about to get to predictions on the record but you we saw we saw teams wear down in just the four game playoff this year right i mean we saw i mean washington was beat up in that game a little bit in that finals game right yeah dylan johnson was hurt um their secondary started to get kind of beat up in that game and i i Michigan, arguably, I thought was the deeper roster of the four teams in the playoffs. Um, 
Well, now think about what it's going to look like going three or four games in, in the post Exactly. Season. So if you're, going, if you're going three or four games, you know, having six cornerbacks you can rely upon may not be, you know, a luxury. That might be like, you know, that's what you need, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's kind of when with Jacoby. Just, I just, he's super talented. I just think there's a chance he has a little more run this spring with some injuries that, that folks give him, you know, it's the, someone could get Wally pipped by him. Let me just leave it that way. Like he gets in the starting lineup and he just never leaves. Um, all right. So Kyle, you weren't on our ground table where we got to f- make our first early predictions about yeah. our use record. Yeah. Oh, that was before, I think that was, bef- was that may have been before Caden green left. It was certainly before the bowl game, which was a little bit of a kick in the, the nuts to our, Jackson Arnold, the man, um, predictions prior to the bowl game. Uh, so I'm going to give everybody a chance to make a second prediction. Also, a, a certain coach in Tuscaloosa is probably going to be on the ESPN Game Day set for the <laughs> OU Nebraska for the OU Alabama game, hopefully in November, rather than on the sidelines coaching, uh, which I think changes things at least a little bit even though they've done a good job getting, I mean, I love Caleb DeBoer. I, Caleb De, I, I think they did a great job with DeBoer and he's hiring a good staff, but you cannot tell me that is not a transition for Alabama and changes things up. So, all right. So Kyle, you need some time to think about this or are you ready to give me a season prediction, regular season only? I, I was only. laughing quite a bit when I listened to y'all's round table with this, of just <laughs> the, the optimism and hopium that was just <laughs> abundant from all, you know, nobody was willing to, I guess I'm just going to come in here and be the pessimist and, and, and say, you know, Based off what I've seen with this, well, it was pre it was pre bowl game. You got to get you know we were still on the high of the the Jackson Arnold. Okay, um, well, I will caveat and say I had nine and three at the time in my head, and kept waiting for somebody to come off of ten wins and be right. the the okay. the little bit more reality check. But everybody went with ten, and you know it's one of those things where, okay, sure, if I look down the schedule, can I see a win? You know, for most of them, absolutely. Just as we did this year, looking preseason, it's like, okay, guys, yeah, you know, the over under is nine and a half. I, you know, said I, I think it, I think we're going over. Um, you know, because of the schedule, like where is the loss? Find the loss, and it was like, well, there, there's just going to be one. Like something's going to happen. College football gets weird. We honestly thought Texas would be one and then we'd trip up somewhere else. And little did we know that we'd win that one and, and find two others. And and that's really kind of what holds me back is just continuing to see this staff struggle with road games. And now our road games are no longer going to be Lawrence, Kansas and Stillwater, Oklahoma and Ames, Iowa and Lubbock. And it's like, no, uh, now we're going to incorporate Baton Rouge and Auburn and you know it, there, there's going to be a little different road tests and so while I think they're you know even the layout of the schedule I like the way the buys are and even getting you know the main buy in November um, you know the toughest is really just the back-to-back of the last two games of the season of Bama and LSU you get a buy right before as you mentioned, Bama's going to look 
a lot different. I'm very curious to see what the quarterback's going to look like now because Jalen Milrow certainly doesn't run DeBoer's offense. So do, do they, you know, try to fit a square peg in a round hole or do they go with the freshman or bring in Will Rogers as they were doing in Washington? But so I, I just look at it and, you know, I also caveat that with the way the new playoff structure is, I think nine and three in the SEC puts you right on the playoff bubble. I don't think it necessarily means you're not even there competing for a championship at the end. Um, I think it depends who you lose to and and what that looks like. But I mean, gosh, the the split between OU and Texas's schedule going to the SEC, where it was like, I think there's like eight top 25 teams from the SEC kind of at first pass, including OU and Texas. And so out of the other six, OU drew five of them and Texas got one of them in Georgia. It's like, goodness gracious, it could not have been more unbalanced. So I just think there's going to be some slip ups. I think we'll grab a game here and there, but you know, I, I just want to see us be consistently good on the road and take that next step. And I think the over under will be like eight, eight and a half. And I think we can clear it. You know, they may put it right at nine so you can have a push at that number. But um, I I just feel like it's going to be right around nine wins. Okay. So you're not going super pessimistic and going eight. No. Eight and four. Yeah. I I still like what we're having. You know, I think Caleb has done a good job of kind of reminding people like, you know, the the SEC monster that so many people sell it to be is, is just, you know, not necessarily what it makes it out to be when you look at like actually game to game it's like look a lot of these teams are what we're used to seeing i think it's just overall the grind the the fan base in the stadium that just you know makes it tougher like i'm saying of oh you know people forget bama should have lost that auburn game i mean it was an absolute miracle that they won that thing and auburn was terrible you know so is auburn a game we slip up at you know you get Missouri on the road, LSU without Jaden Daniels is not going to be the same, but that's not easy. You know, there's just enough games that the win percent chances drop that, you know, statistically speaking, it's like, okay, I could probably find three losses in there somewhere. All right, Caleb, I I believe you were at 10 and two last time. Is that right? I was. Yeah. You know, for me, it's when I I started digging in and looking at, uh, what what teams are returning quarterbacks? What team what teams are returning? Right, and that's what I looked at like how many seniors, and then who is bringing a quarterback back, uh, and then who is replacing those those guys? Right, because I mean Tennessee's not returning a quarterback, but they've got Nico, who was you know Mister Five Star. Uh, so you know I, I I'm going to back off uh, my ten wins. And I will, I will fall in line with Kyle. And and the reason I'll back off is just like, <laughs> I mean, any, anybody that listens to this is probably going to be pissed. Uh, the reason I'm backing off is was Jackson Arnold's performance in the in the bowl game. And I there's lots of like you can you can you can you can say you can logically write away and say, hey, this was you know this explains this, this explains that, and in these things. You know, and I know it was his first start, right? But the interceptions were late balls, right? He held on to the ball too long in the pocket, caused some, you know, 
some holding penalties that did not need to occur. He didn't use his legs uh, to the the you know the amount I think you want and need and expected. Right. So there was just lots of things where I know it's being nitpicky, but you know again I think where I said hey ten wins is uh, you're I was but you're banking on Jackson Arnold being that guy. And when I say that guy being number one overall quarterback in the country out of high school, you know, potential to be the best quarterback in the SEC, right? Uh, I, and let me like back off a little bit and say I, he still has the potential to be all those things. I just come out of the bowl game not knowing if he will be. I thought I would come out of the bowl game feeling really comfortable and thinking that, hey, in every game Oklahoma goes into minus – the Alabama game, Oklahoma will have arguably the best defense on the field and arguably the best quarterback on the field. You know, in defense, run game, travel, quarterbacks win big games. And so now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just less sure that, you know, he'll go in and in a tight game at Ole Miss. Like, can he, can he go down and, and win the game for you? Right. Just, just less sure right now about that. But yeah, I mean, when you break down the schedule, I mean, Kyle's right. You know, think like he's. It, I think we talked a little bit about this, Chris. Right? It has this tendency, to, like they have this far away syndrome, or like, oh man, you know, these guys are just, you know, it's better over there. And then you really dig in. It's like, gosh, I mean, you know, like I, I joked, right? In the last two times Texas Tech has played, like Ole Miss and you know the other teams, they just beat the crap out of them. You know, uh, I think Kansas would score 40 on the majority of, you know, the teams like, a you know, a South Carolina or an Auburn or a Tennessee in these, you know, with, with Colton Icky, uh, Colin plays and those running backs. And even then, right. Like you take Kansas and you'd be like, okay, well, you know, the, there's no can people often say this, there's no Kansas in the sec, but you know, roll Kansas and South Carolina out there and tell me who has the better, who had the better offensive line? Who had the better quarterback? Who had the top two running backs on the field? Who had the, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's just I, you know, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful they'll have a bigger year. I, I, I better better coaching. Better coaching. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about that, right? It's it's a the Big Twelve, you know, has tended to be a league of I mean some of the best coaches in the country, you know, and that's another part of it, right? Like. Uh, I think Auburn's it could be an interesting game, but I read this week. Uh, oh, what's his name? The old boy that loves himself a strip club. Their head coach, uh, uh, Hugh Freeze. He's Hugh taking over play calling duties. You know, fired offensive coordinator. Things didn't go well. wasn't able to hire the right guy, so he's going to be calling uh, offense for him. You know, uh, which I think at a place like Auburn, that tells you there's probably some pressure there. Uh, and there always is. You may get a rogue booster that tries to drum up uh, a fake scandal to not have to pay your uh, buy. You know, and there's and there's some other groups like Missouri is an interesting one. You know, I, we don't know how COVID plays into things. I, if you look at their de- their they're too deep. They're or at least their starters. Fourteen of their twenty two were redshirt seniors, seniors, grad transfer guys. And I don't know, had no clue how many people are returning. Uh, you know, but outside of the Alabama game and maybe Ole Miss, uh, and that's a maybe, right? Because it's really dependent heavily on on transfers. Oklahoma will go into each game with, you know, there's not a game they don't have an opportunity to win. And I think uh, it's really imp- – I think, honestly, I think nine wins is important just because you want to see – what Kyle talked about there, right? You want to see the continual improvement from a coaching perspective. 
that in year three, you know, some of the, there's maybe some decisions made here and there, whether it's slow down the offense, play better situational football or whatever it is, there's some things that are done from a coaching perspective to win, to win those games. Like Bob was a master at that, right? When you look back at his early time at Oklahoma, they, all those close games, it was little things here, little things there uh, to win. Yeah. I, being the, the, the hopium recruiting optimist, it is hard for me to, to, to change 10 and two. Um, but I will, I will agree. I will, I will go nine and three purely because, um, uh, you guys are all being big wusses. You are all hey, like I said. Hey, 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 I mean, and everybody. Well, I mean, up. I would almost go eight and four if you tell me Jackson I was going to throw three picks and fumble once. <laughs> hey, you know, oh, hey, so Kyle, this obviously just tells us you need to be on these podcasts, roadhouses, road roundtables more often to stop the. Right, you know, we get Matt in here, Matt. You get truth, Matt in apparently. here, and when Caden Green is leaving, he's like, screw him, you know, F him, you know. <laughs> he just kind of, you know, he just gets Caleb and I going on this emotional upswing. Yeah. We need the cold, hard facts to bring us back to reality. <laughs> so my reason why would be two elements. OU has a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, and a brand new quarterback, okay? Um the Missouri and Old Miss games, it's hard to know. I mean, Missouri, everyone's like, oh, they, they, sorry, Mississippi, oh, that game's now a loss. I'm like, during the portal season, fans are like, oh, that's a loss now. They got Walter Nolan. That's a loss. Really? It's a loss? They, they also got Key Lawrence. Is that a loss? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I They just lost one of their guys, Tyler Barron, just said, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. I'm not. Apparently, I'm not going to Ole Miss. I'm going to Syracuse to a Louisville instead. Um, and Missouri just lost one of their best D line guy, other than Winery, who didn't look great in the in the in the didn't look great at the Under Armour game or in the practices there. So he doesn't look like, and he's not enrolling early. So I'm not sure how much of a you know a force he will be, but who knows? So I, I don't. I don't know what to make of the Missouri and Ole Miss road games, other than to your point, Kyle. They are road games. I think I am a little worried about the the brain management on the roster on the road. Uh, I'll call it, you know, just making bad decisions, making bad mis- you know mistakes. It's just the the the, the bowl game didn't that, help. You know, I the think Latrell adds at all. what we had. You know, last year it's like, especially you know, the last two years. We thought about like Gundy leaving right before, and that was going to be your like senior voice of someone who'd been there, done that for decades, technically. And you lose him, and now you've got basically a staff of young bucks left behind. Uh, you know, you replace him full time with a younger staff member who's probably doesn't have the weight in the room to you know start demanding changes and things like that as Emmett Jones comes in. But now you've got a guy who's been an OC for like 15 years he's been a head coach you know so i think that definitely adds a lot of capabilities as far as what road game management could look like and then if ali really is someone that bv can trust where he becomes more of that ceo then yes you're hoping to see that jump from year two to year three and so if we make it it does bring 10 and 2 into the picture and you see some more 
game management instead of just having to win by players on the field out playing the other team. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's just two seasons worth of data that just says we struggle when games get tight and it's, it's, it's small things as much as getting the ball back before half with 90 seconds left and one time out and you make it to the 50 yard line and the time runs out. It's like, what, what are we doing here? You know, the, the number of times that you would just waste away an opportunity to go put a game away to, to get some easy or, points, or give up or, things like that. It's just going to get right before half a lot as well. Yeah. It's just going to get tighter. And so, you know, I just want to see the staff make that jump as well before I'm saying we're going through an absolute gauntlet of a schedule um, to, to get. Yeah. To I mean, if wins. you told me, if you told me we had 2000, 2016 Baker, I'd be like, yeah, 10 and two. He, he can, no problem. He can go on the road. He can get us wins at these places with the tools we got. But asking Jackson to do that and having seeing his first game not go that well, I, I mean, I think a lot of that was was, was just was a, was almost Latrell testing him a little bit. Like, I'm going to take away a bunch of stuff that you usually do, just make it still make it work. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I didn't. And it didn't. And also. And it also like, oh, by the way, also I'm going to show you how bad your current offense is. So when you are, you <laughs> no. are struggling. When yeah. you, are, you, oh, you are struggling in the spring when you're asking why I'm changing things up. I'm going to remind you. Remember the Arizona game where you didn't have a freaking option after? You didn't have an option <laughs> to go to? Yeah, well, this is why we're changing shit up. Well, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I, I get it. I, I hammered uh, Jackson, like, you know, and, and brought my win total down because of him. I will admit, like, that's a really tough spot for Latrell to be in. Right, a bunch of guys leaving. You're calling an offense that is not yours, right? You've been around the offense for ten months, right? Whatever that was, and and now you're having to call it with a first time signal caller. All that is is really difficult, and it goes back like they weren't able to consistently in the second half run the ball and get them into you know, get into third and three, get into third and four, right? They were just in a lot of uh, or, they, or they should have been running the ball and. And Jackson was missing the RPOs, right? He should have been handing. That's it off. absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm passing. I'm freaking. I'm with all these other coaches. Well, it was interesting. Gabe and Teddy were talking about it on theirs, so that you know, Arizona did a very good job scouting and basically putting pass looks at the snap, so that he would pull it over and over and over, knowing a freshman was going to take one quick. Okay, this is what my keys say. Got to pull it and pass it. And so, not having the ability to counter as well, you know, with someone with more experience. I, I just think we got to give them some credit too. Yeah. So I, I, I think nine and three, maybe we are being wussified, but you know, again, um, Oh, Oh, make, make no mistake about it. Like, I mean, if you, if you want to go down the hopium train, you know, I, you, I think you could make a case for like, there's not a game on that now that Nick Saban is gone. That's not winnable. And the reality is, like, I, I like Kellen DeBoer. I think yeah. he's – or Kellen yeah. DeBoer is a fantastic coach. You look at his record, it's so impressive. But there has been a somewhat of an exodus of talent right off the bat, and there may be there may be additional yeah. exodus of talent, right? Once they go through spring, you might see some guys be like, yeah, I, I want to go somewhere else. Uh, and you're going from the greatest coach in the history of college football – to not the greatest coach in the yep. history of college football. So no matter how good DeBoer is, like it's yep. going to be a drop off, 
right? And, you know, LSU replacing yep. a quarterback, replacing an entire defensive staff. It is not the same LSU roster as we saw for, I mean, God, almost 20 years. They do not look like Nick Saban or Les Miles LSU's teams on the hoof. You know, uh, Missouri is – who knows, right? Uh, I think Ole Miss has done a great job in the portal, uh, you know, We'll, we'll see there. I mean, Texas has had a lot of guys, you know, leave. Like you mentioned, Chris, they're they're reeling in guys from the portal, trying to fix uh, the receiver and tight end rooms. They've had exodus on defense, and, and they weren't great in some spots there as well. I mean, there's just, you know, if you if you told again, if you told me Jackson's going to be that guy, he's going to be Baker with a bigger arm. He's going to be Baker and more athletic. Like he's going to be that. You know, it, I would say like, okay, well, they're going to win the SEC, whether that's one loss or what, but they're going to, you know, that, that that's what they've got the chance to do. You know, just uh, I, after after the bowl game, I want to see it first. It's a little bit. It was a little bit like, okay, um, yeah, it was, and there were there were glimpses, right? You're like, okay, that's what we're oh, seeing, absolutely. and then it was like, you know, then it was like, okay, even with the three picks, if if if. Farouk doesn't fumble twice, you know, they they probably win that game. And that's at least one of those fumbles was really you could say Arnold maybe didn't do him do Farouk that many favors on the second fumble, but I don't know. I th- I felt like he did. I felt like he led him away from the defender and fr- I thought it was a great so but no, it's you bring up a good point, right? Two balls bounce differently and it changes the perception. And I'm I'm talking about oh well they are able to overcome those three mm-hmm. picks no big deal they won uh, so it's it is it is a challenging schedule you don't quite know what to do with it um, the road you know is the road part of the SEC overblown no they're you know they have rabid fan bases they're showing up um, <laughs> there's going to be lots of opposing fans in Norman if we if you know as opposed to the last couple of years where you've had like. 500 TCU fans show up in Norman, you know, we're, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have 5,000, um, you know, Alabama fans in Norman, regardless of who their coach is, probably maybe more if we don't, if they, if you can, they can buy enough tickets. So it's, it's interesting. And I, and you know, the O-line stuff a little bit, um, just the uncertainty there. Now, could you catch me? You know, I think we'll do this again after the spring game. And see where we are. The, the sure. road game thing won't be any any greater. Maybe we have a little more confidence in what we see O line wise. Maybe we have more fears what we see O line wise. Um, and we're 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 thinking nine and threes. You know, ooh, eight and four maybe. Uh, maybe Jackson. You know, I don't know how much you can really pull from a spring game about a quarterback, but just generally what we might hear. But I think it's there's so much. I mean, since we picked this the last time, to be fair, Kyle, I mean, a lot of shit has changed with OU and in college football since the last time we made this pick. So it's it's yeah. a completely it's it's a you know the number one toughest game on the schedule looked like Alabama and Norman. Now that game is completely thrown up in the air. I mean, they you know if if they struggle and. Will Rogers isn't their quarterback and they're going with Milrow and and DeBoer can't make that scheme work and midseason he's pulling their freshman Julian Sayan off the bench because he's the guy that really can run it. And they've dropped a couple of losses. They could be a very 
you know, they could be a very weird Alabama team, right? They'll I mean, be an interesting one. You know, they play, I think, at Wisconsin early in the year. Uh, they play Georgia, and then they'll have Tennessee and Missouri uh, in back-to-back weeks, and they have a bye, then LSU. And those are all before Oklahoma, you know. So, it'll, and it, it's all it's – all, it's all because, I mean, I'm with you, right? The offensive line is one of those where I could make a case that, right? You could make a case that, like, a yeah, healthy – and, you know, rehabbed and whatever, Jake Sexton is as good or better than, let's say, Walter Rouse, right? And I, I, w- I would make the case to you that uh, Nwewu is an upgrade at right guard. I, I would say a pretty decently sized upgrade there. Uh, and, you know, let's, if you get, whether it's Taylor or you get a freshman like Ozeda, I don't know, maybe you get, a, maybe Tarquin comes in and just takes like a left guard spot. I think you could make the case that it's they're equal or better at left guard. I mean, you could make a case that, you know, they're at four of the five, they're better next year, potentially. It's again, it's just back to the whole, like, (laughs) they could be worse. So they could could be be worse. worse Let's see it. Yeah, they could be right. They could be worse at, you know, at three or four of the, of the five. Well, this svelte, this very svelte looking Eddie Pierre Louis rolls into Norman. It, Kyle, is this picture, is this real of him, Eddie, that you posted? He looks he, he looks looks like he's 275. That's just when you don't have much body fat. A kid's probably still running around, probably at 315, 320. He looks crazy. He looks crazy fit. All right. Um, he's getting ready for the, yeah. the, the Florida 100-meter uh, track season. Yeah, yeah. He's got he to drop weight for the 100 meters. They won't let him run at 330. Um, yeah, it just – Talk to me. I'll have I maybe recharge with hopium after spring. Like I mean, for instance, David Stone could like have this ridiculous spring game where we're all like, "Holy crap, we haven't seen that before!" Right? Like, you know, okay, we now have our we now have our big bully in the middle, right? That we haven't had really since. Is it? I mean, do I do I have to go all the way back to Gerald? Was there anybody in between Charles Walker? Maybe for like a half a season. In 2015, right? Yeah, he was really good. He was maybe good. it. He, that's like the last guy, right? I mean, maybe Neville at times, Gallimore at times. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, Charles Walker had had that little spurt and that little bit where he was that guy. But, yeah, we, you probably have to go back to, you know, Gerald for a uh, someone a, that a would true be – legit. Well, someone you would like talk about as an All-American caliber. And we'll see if David yeah. ends up being can, that. Can, or freshman All-American or something like that. So, yeah. All right. Well, Kyle and uh, Caleb, thanks so much for doing this roundtable. Uh, I think we've we've got some interesting thoughts in there. We're now solidly at a 9-3 and three level, although I was a little surprised, Kyle, that you didn't go 8-4 and four based upon the, the bowl game. So um, we'll see what happens there uh, with all that. But uh, I appreciate everyone taking the – uh, taking the time to do our roundtable today. Hope you guys enjoy it when we when we have this uh, ready for you to listen. Uh, thanks for subscribing. And uh, if you've not subscribed and you just picked up the show, please subscribe on your platform of choice: Apple, Apple iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. And we will back be back next week with a regular recruiting edition, talking all about 2025 recruiting. We're pretty much pretty much have turned the page to that exclusively 
So thanks, everyone, and have a good week. And I hope wherever part of the country, the U.S. you're in, you're not completely freezing. Uh, you're not being completely frozen uh, and, and are able to, able, able to be safe with your travels. And if you've been flying around the country, I hope you've gotten home safely. Thanks, everyone. You've got to be kidding me.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.